How many people are in line behind you? How many people, if you went to another company or did something different, they want to follow you? It's because that you've been honest, you've been authentic, you've led with humanity, and people believe in who you are and the vision, and they have been able to be successful as a result of aligning themselves to you. Welcome to season four of the CEO Mom podcast, The Woman, The Mother, and The Myths, the podcast of CEO Mom magazine, the publication that puts super momming into perspective. I'm your host, Vonna Matthews. So let's listen in. We are excited to finally be launching our CEO Mom magazine, Moms You Should Know Business Directory. And we have with us today one of our founding members, Ms. Tiki Favoroth. I'm so excited to have her with us today because she is going to talk to us about what it looks like to properly manage human capital. And so we're going to get deeper into that in this interview. But Tiki, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having uh, having me. And I am so excited that you're finally launching. And it's just been my pleasure to see all the other moms and leaders and owners as a part of this journey and to be paired with so many awesome women who are really, you know, defying the myth of what it means to be a woman today, to be a mom and to be a leader and really making it happen. So thank you for inviting me to the journey and allowing me to participate and share as much as I can. Thank you. It is definitely our pleasure. And like you said, is it is an elite and amazing group of women who are really trailblazers in their industries and in their community. So it's it's a great group of women to be a part of. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we dive into the interview, I want to give our listeners a little bit about you, Tiki, and you are going to, of course, tell us more. But just to give a little bit of your bio, Tiki Favoroth is a senior global human resources and talent leader with 17 plus years of strategic industry and global experience guiding senior executives to achieve organizational results through a holistic approach to human capital. With her 17 plus years in the human resources industry, Tiki stepped out on her own in 2015 and started HR Co. to help organizations flourish through its people and human resources practices. H&R Co.'s success comes through being partners, advisors, problem solvers, solution builders, and partnering with clients to provide end-to-end tailored human resources. As the Senior Partner and Managing Director at H&R Co., Tiki is a sought-after speaker and expert who teaches on the power of being an awakened leader and how to enable your talent. We are excited to have Tiki on our CEO Mom podcast today. And as I've mentioned, as one of our moms, you should know. So once again, welcome and thank you for joining me today, Tiki. Thank you so much. And thanks for sharing a little bit about my background. I appreciate it. I want to dive more into your background. So tell us a little bit about your background and how your career led you to helping companies with human capital management. Thank you so much. So if I think about my background and when I describe it, you know, you may see me out there in the industry calling myself the people engineer. And I would say there was really three defining moments in my career that that has led me uh, to be here today. So when I graduated from high school and started college, I actually thought that I would be a people, uh, a petroleum engineer. 
and I actually had the pleasure of attending Texas Tech University. I was a Coca-Cola scholar and actually started in their petroleum and engineering um, um, you know, school. And so through that journey of trying to just navigate the space, and this was many, many years ago, a part of that, which was I would call a defining moment, number one, I had the opportunity to work for an oil and gas company in their HR department and fell in love with what was happening in the space of business and people. And I came back to school, changed my major, graduated with business, and I, I would say the rest is history. I think really the introduction to business and human capital, I had the pleasure of being record, uh, recruited away uh, my senior year by a little company that people may or may not know called Target Corporation. And at the time, they had what was called a management development or an accelerator program where they would recruit college students, bring them into their actual stores, and give them real roles in, the, in their organization. And one of my first roles was called a human resources team lead executive. And I was responsible in a store for managing the human capital of that particular store in partnership with what they call the store team lead. <clears throat> and so that's everything from hiring to engagement to scheduling, um, also, as a part of this management development, I learned how to do customer service or the guest experience. I learned how to work in logistics, how to do sales, because one of the things about their curriculum is that you needed to understand how to run the operation and really how my role as an HR practitioner supported the store in being successful. And I say that that was the first pivotal point in my career because it was the foundation of me learning not only how to take care of people, but how the decisions I made really drove business results, and I liked it. I liked being able to go check out clients or customers. I liked being able to meet the truck and what they call flow merchandise into the store. I liked how to change the end caps to attract more sales because more sales equals more hours, and more hours equal more talent. And so understanding this dynamic between operations and business and how those two things and people came together. So that was really the first defining moment if I think about my journey into really this dynamic of human capital driving business results. From that time, kind of fast forward, I was intentional and deliberate about becoming a working practitioner and not being defined by a particular industry. And so I had the pleasure to work with some phenomenal organizations, everything from healthcare to oil and gas to consulting, uh, you name it. I've had the opportunity to understand this dynamic between people and business and how as a practitioner I could help CEOs and leaders and managers really achieve business results through their human capital. Along that journey, also learned how to design, build, and execute programs that, again, focus on how people could be successful and awaken their careers, but how did that map over to making the right investments so that the organization could sustain itself? And so that kind of pushed me through, I call that second phase of really learning and becoming a working practitioner and understanding the art and science of what we do in many industries with different types of talent, with different types of systems and resources, which kind of leads me to three, uh, uh, thing number three, which is really what drove me to start the business. 
So as I begin to think about exiting corporate uh, America, and you'll hear me call her as a she because there's a relationship that I had with her, I really said, how can I give back and sow into corporate in a different way, and how can I raise my voice to, with its diversity, with its experience, with my point of view and perspective to help organizations accelerate what they were doing. So not being confound by the four walls of an organization. So in 2015, I really started the business doing a lot of executive coaching for uh, minorities because there were, there were not a lot of executive leaders, and it's still not today, that look like me, talk like me, have the experiences, and really helping them to understand how to navigate and grow their career. And so when I made a decision to, to officially leave, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, that I was encouraged is like, why don't you take it full cycle? Why don't you be a full service HR consulting firm? You've done this for other organizations. And so really put my, you know, said, okay, why not? Why not try to consult around people, culture, performance, diversity, executive coaching, training and development, because in fact I've done that. And so HR and Co, you know, our mission is really to help re-energize and reinvigorate organizations to unleash the full potential of their people. And in order to do that, there may be different tactics and strategies to do that. And to be a good practitioner, you have to understand what are the business problems they're trying to solve and how to, what is the impact to talent. And so we just try to really lead with honesty, authenticity, humanity to create better global citizens. And really, that is our purpose, to help create better global citizens. And the way that we do that is to help organizations accelerate their talent. So I think in sum, if I think about my career, it's really been about these defining moments. It's really been about being able to pivot, to be able to harness what was really important, and to be able to turn that into something, again, that's just that you really enjoy and have a purpose and passion for why you're doing something. And so that is what we're doing today. We are helping organizations unleash the power and potential of their people and their talent, and we enjoy doing that. I love the way you are presenting how important it is to take care of your people, because I think sometimes in corporate America, from my experiences, that is not or doesn't always feel like a priority, and it doesn't always feel like people are really leveraging and enabling the talent of their employees and their management and executives. And so I love that your focus with HR and co is to really hone in on taking care of the people. So let's talk a little bit about how HR and Co. is redefining human resources. Well, I think, you know, one of the things about, you know, human resources, there is an art and science to what we do. You know, if, if a leader says, I want to build, or Georgie O'Keefe, we know what that picture looks like. And our job is to say, what are the tools? You need a, a easel, you need paint, you need brushes. Is it is it oil-based, is it water-based, or is it acrylic? You know, what colors to make it vibrant? And so really, I think the way we're redefining is asking different strategic questions that enable us to make the picture more clear, which many HR practitioners are doing today. I think also, too, because we are a diverse team, we're already coming to the table with a perspective that many organizations may miss or suffer because they're not diverse themselves. 
And then two, I think the third component is because we are experienced in many different industries, we can take the best of many places and help them to accelerate what they're trying to do. So net-net, we can synthesize what is the vision, what do you need, and how do you execute it. I think what's really interesting about reimagining or you know, redefining, it's, not, it's taking traditional models and ways of doing things and asking the question, have you thought about this? It's having a diverse team of generational ethnicity, you know, cultures, you know, um, educational backgrounds, and harnessing that perspective in our team meetings to go back and present new ideas to a client. So I think the way we're redefining, again, and, and not to take from any HR practitioner because I recognize the work that they do, is that we don't have some of the boundaries and barriers. And so having that collaboration and the ability to partner and co-create what success looks like allows us to really def redefine how fast organizations can deliver best solutions for their people and their talent as well as to drive stakeholder organizational results. Awesome. So we are going to talk a little bit about human capital and what that means and what does it look like to adequately manage your human capital. I want to talk about leadership. And you did a podcast interview recently where you talked about the power of an awakened leader. I, I love that, that phrase. So tell us what is an awakened leader and how can an awakened leader transform her organization? If you think about our purpose, uh, I think an awakened leader has this thing about honesty, authenticity, and humanity to the thing, the thing that they do. And one of the things is that we, when we find out, when we awaken a leader, to understand what's their purpose and their why, they're able to become multipliers in their organizations. And when you have an awakened leader, they have this broad perspective of how to manage the business, how to manage operations, how to manage finances, but most importantly, how to harness the power of their people. And when we have seen leaders that are awakened, we do see higher results, higher engagement, higher retention, and so there is this factor that exists. And when I used to support leaders in um, corporate, you know, there was one leader in particular. He, he would always say, how many people are in line behind you? How many people, if you went to another company or did something different, they want to follow you? It's because that you've been honest, you've been authentic, you've led with humanity, and people believe in who you are and the vision, and they have been able to be successful as a result of aligning themselves to you. And so I believe at the executive levels or the leadership levels, when we have more leaders that can step into that space and expand, and sometimes they just don't know, then they can become multipliers for the organization. And from our lens, they're able to harness the power of the talent, which in turn would drive greater results for the, the, the companies that they're in today. I love that. So you've talked about basically leveraging the capabilities and the talents of your team, of your people. Can you give us an example of what that looks like? I'll give you one. Uh, right now, we're a certified partner of the Predictive Index, and we use this behavioral assessment to help leaders understand what's the DNA of a person. 
And, you know, coming to be a partner of Predictive Index, they have this model, it's the head, heart, and briefcase. And so when they look at an individual as a person, as a human, they said the head, the DNA of a person, it's really stable. It doesn't change over time. And oftentimes when we equate that to talent, it's like if Tiki's good at data or she's good at being creative or she's good at being this, you want to give her opportunities and roles where we can leverage and harness her strengths and begin to, you know, develop maybe areas of opportunity or stretch. If Tiki's a data person and you put her in a creative role, did we really harness and set Tiki up to be successful? If you think about the heart, that's the person who shows up. That's the authenticity. That's the humanity. And creating people and creating spaces where the whole person can show up to work. Again, with boundaries based upon the culture, because I have to say that, but yet this person can show up and be their authentic self, honest, and do work that they love. And then obviously the briefcase. That's the experience, that's the exposure, that's the opportunities that someone has had over time. And so how do we take those experiences and bring them forward faster so that people can drive results? So in net, what that looks like, it looks like that you're looking at a particular role you are determining the right person to execute on that role, and you're constantly seeking talent or enabling talent where we are leveraging their strengths. We kind of have a statement, you know, don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. And oftentimes because of a bias or because someone did something right the first time, we see a lot of people in roles where they struggle or we say you set me up to be, you know, not be successful, is because we were not in tune with what is the natural DNA of this person or the thing, the behaviors, the things that they do really well, and then what's the whole authentic person that's going to come to the table to deliver it. The briefcase is the briefcase. And so I think an example of harnessing that is taking time to understand what's your business strategy, what are the tasks and opportunities to drive that strategy? And what talent in the sense of capabilities, the briefcase, the, the, the natural skills and abilities, and the whole person to deliver that? And I think as leaders are awakened and they get more in tune in how to predict success, I think higher levels of engagement, people can grow in their careers and things that they enjoy. It doesn't mean that they can't stretch and learn new things to add to the briefcase, but 10 out of 10 times they're being more successful because they're doing what they're good at and they're being recognized for that and they're able to a actually able to accelerate impact for organizations. Thank you for breaking that down. So just from that, are you saying that when you harness the talents and the capabilities of your people, are you going beyond their job description or beyond their specific role or job title? Or is this something that you're doing within the hiring process? Yeah, I think it goes all the way through. So with PI, we use an assessment to get at that. We actually look at the job description. We actually look at the business strategy. We actually look at the type of things that people are doing. And we, there is a, a factor that we bring all of those pieces together to say, this is why Tiki is the best candidate, both internally and externally. Or this is the next project you should give Tiki in her career. Or if you want to develop Tiki, here are the places that you may want to do that. And again, it, it leads with strength and humanity. 
versus stretching someone where, again, they may become frustrated and not successful. So it is, like I said, it's the art and the science of understanding what's the business strategy, what are the roles or capabilities that we need to deliver that strategy and to drive results, and now how do we begin to layer in talent that can mobilize that. And I do believe that's at the individual person level. And when we know more about people and what they're good at and can harness and predict, then the faster we can achieve business results as well as people can be satisfied and feel growth in the roles that they do every day. Awesome. So as as we know, with small businesses, a lot of times, they're, especially startups, their teams are very small. How does that work if you do have a small team, if you do have people who are probably wearing several hats? How do you manage your human capital in, in those circumstances? I think it's the same thing. I think you still have the same blueprint. What's your business strategy? What are the results? What are the tasks? And then, you know, either using this assessment to understand what's the talent and their capabilities, head, heart, and briefcase, there are maybe instances where you may say, Tiki, you need to do two things. But if we're going to stretch Tiki, we know where to stretch her versus putting her on a stretch that's, that's not going to be beneficial. People can stretch for amount of time, but what happens? You have burnout. You know, you have opportunities or things been dropped through the process. And so at least you can optically have an awareness of what that may look like by asking Tiki to stretch to something she really can't do and how to put safeguards in place to be able to do that. I would say being in small businesses, yes, there is a moment in the cycle where you have to do more with less, and you have to just get your business off the ground and run it. But as you, if you're going to grow and become more sophisticated, again, whether it's temp staff or permanent staff, you, a leader has to understand how much they can do. And as they begin to see talent to support them, be more intentional and deliberate about the type of talent and what they can expect from that talent delivering. And again, making sure people are doing the things that they love and can do, which becomes an accelerant to grow that business in a certain particular way. I love what HR and Co does. I really do. Thank you. We love it too. We love it. I really do. So I want to talk a little bit more about the human capital. Do you think companies are managing it adequately? Or a better question would be, if a company isn't managing their human capital in the most effective ways, what are some things they can do to improve that? I think that's a, a broad question because I would assume most organizations <laughs> would think that they're being successful. And for the most part, they are. You know, It just depends on the lens and the perspective. So I would say step number one, I would say organizations should use data and insights to give them a preview if they are being successful. So for an example, there's leading, lagging, and predictive data that an organization can capture. So what's happening in your hiring process? What's happening in your exit process? What's happening in performance or um, diversity or all of these metrics that can give them a previous, kind of like a dashboard on the car. You know if you're on empty or if you're full. And there, is, there, there exists today people data or insights that can give companies insights into that. I think, this, I think that's number one. Let's look at the data. I think number two, they need to create spaces where employees can give feedback. And again, everybody's not going to give you a 10. Everybody's not going to give you a zero. 
but to thematically look at what the customer, the internal customer is telling you, the employee, to again, with the actual tangible data, to create a hypothesis of where they want to improve. Some things you can control, some things that you can't. But they can begin to prioritize what is the issue. Is it pay? Okay, is it an opportunity to fix pay? Is it poor leadership? Is it an opportunity to bring leadership development or get better leaders? So I think that when companies do that, those two pieces, and then finally put a plan in place to act. There is nothing like an employee, the data is telling you, employees are telling you, you're aware of it and you don't act. And I think failure to act is when companies do um, run, I guess to use your word, inadequately because they have the insights to do something different and they didn't. It's running, it's driving a car and the light is coming on telling you need gas and you don't stop at the gas station and the car stops running. And so that's when we begin to see higher levels of turnover. We see higher claims with people going on, out on leaves or medical situations. You see higher impact to customer satisfaction, or overall performance. And so I would say it's not necessarily ascribing a value of inadequacy. It's just that are you running at your optimum, <laughs> you know, stopping to do your check-in and making sure that based upon the diagnostics and whatever tools organizations use is to make sure that they're using that diagnostics as a point of insight in order to make some decisions about what they need to do and then making a plan to act against that. So you've already mentioned the KPIs that a company can look at to determine if they're adequately managing their human capital. Can you break that down again just so that it's, it's clear for our listeners? There are so many metrics. I mean, if you look at what we call in HR the employee life cycle from hire to retire, there are talent acquisition metrics, everything from how many, how many jobs did you post, how many people apply for the jobs, what's the demographics of people, how long was the job posted, how long did it take you to fill the job. And so there are metrics in that space, again, based on the maturity of the organization to track a healthy pipeline. Okay, so now that you've hired them, what happens when you're here? What we call the onboarding or a simulation period. So how long did it take them to get to proficient? Do they have all of their computer and equipment? Did we pay them equitably? You probably hear about pay equity. Do we have diverse teams? You know, what type of roles? And so there are things that happen. When was the last time they had a merit increase or developed or all of these things that from an assimilation perspective or development perspective. And then obviously as people retire or exit, the exit kind of cycle, did people voluntary or involuntary resign from the company? How long did they stay? Were they tenured? Did they have one year, five years, ten years? What was the age demographic? So again, based upon the maturity of the organization and the capability to track different types of metrics, all of those data points, those little data points, again, independently, it's a number, but aggregately, it tells you something. One dollar into your savings account today is one dollar, but over 20 days, it's twenty dollars. And so what you can derive is that I saved, you know, twenty dollars. But if you looked at the dollar a day, it doesn't really tell you anything. And so it, it's based upon what do you want your data to tell you? What are you able to capture and track? And how to use that data, you know, as, as sing, single data points, but collectively together 
again, to get to that insight, leading, lagging, and predicting and what may be happening in your organization. So just to bring it on home, just to break it down. (laughs) Bring it home, bring it home. (laughs) The success of your business is dependent on the effectiveness and the success of your human capital. I think that is... Bottom line on top, people are, you know, it's the chicken or the egg. I, I believe people enable organizations to thrive. And I believe people need organizations in order to thrive. And so companies need people to drive value, but also sometimes people need companies, whether it's their own or someone else's, is to have value in their life. And so it is this relationship that plays out. And I think if managed well, it can be very harmonious. And sometimes there are bumps and, you know, there are reasons why things change over time. But it's about making sure that when those changes or shifts or pivots come, that it's all for positive reasons. And sometimes, you know, bad bad reasons is fine too. And that I think it's it's a partnership between both. I love that. That is that is great, great um, way to bring it home. So last year we had you know so many different things happen and come to the forefront as it relates to racial injustice, and with that. A lot of companies became more aware of the importance of, of diversity and, and inclusiveness. And that's something that is not new, but it was brought to the forefront even more in 2020. Mm-hmm. You've discussed the importance of diversity and inclusion in an organization. Mm-hmm. First, what should diversity and inclusion look like in an organization? And why is it important to a company's success? Wow. Um, considering it's a hot topic, <laughs> uh, it's a loaded question. And I, I think the simplicity, and especially with the organizations that we're helping uh, today, is I, I'd call it really three points. One, individuals need to have an awareness of history. And I think having an awareness, appreciation or not, is that you need to understand the chain of events as to why something has happened. I think that's, that's frame number one. I think secondly, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I would like to say people look at big I and big D. And so it goes beyond just gender and ethnicity. It's really diversity in thought, background, skills, capabilities. And so when when organizations become interested in big I and big D, then we we will not see where you only have just men or just women or just African Americans or only, you know, whites or Asians or some of those things. And so I think it's this higher purpose. It's this awakening to say we want to have organizations where there is a synergy of different ideas and different experiences that makes it more inclusive as we go forward. Uh, it, is a, it is a road that people need to, or leaders need to go from fear to allyship or fear to growth, and there's a model that talks about that. And I think a, a, a point of that is recognizing where you are on the spectrum, what biases that you have. People need to listen, to learn, and to educate themselves and be intentional about the decisions that they make. Sometimes I think that we have lack of diversity, because it may be intentional. 
sometimes it may be lack of diversity because it's just people are not aware. And so I think that in this season or in this time, people just need to be more intentional and use data and facts and insights to make some different decisions. And I think as the um, as the mag, you know, um, magnifying glass has been put there, leaders are saying, oh, wait, that's us. You know, we looked around the room and it all looks the same. How did that happen? Well, because you didn't have an awareness of it. You know, hey, that's us. You know, and we looked around the room and it was all men. How did that happen? And so I think what we see today is that organizations are interested in pausing. They're interested in doing that assessment that I've been talking about. I think they're interested in listening and learning and then using the insights, both the data and feedback, to make some intentional decisions to act. And I think organizations that are going down that path will see greater rewards. I think I just put on LinkedIn is that, you know, it's, it's, it's good to understand the history. We have to undo and create new narratives. But most, most importantly, it's taking action so that we look back on history again. It's not the same. And so organizations that want to say, when I look back at our data five years from now, we have changed. And for some, that may be fast. For some, it may be incremental because it has to make you know, business sense as well and to be deliberate and intentional about the direction that they're taking. And I think it will be good for the employees that they have real jobs and real opportunities as well as the organization that they're really creating great companies that people want to work for. That's incredible. And, and I love the way you've put it. It's more, it's not just about when you talk about race, gender, and ethnicity, but it's, it's perspectives, it's ideas, it's thoughts, it's experiences and backgrounds, because those play a huge role in diversity and inclusion. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yes, you're welcome. So what's your five-year vision for HR and co? You know, uh, that's a very interesting question, and I think if I think about the vision, um, I think it's really about us leading with honesty, authenticity, and humanity to create better global citizens. And I think that vision will not change, and I think it will stand the test of time. I think five years from now, we still want to be helping companies, you know, unleash the power and potential of their people, and we want to be knowledgeable SMEs um, to be able to pivot and shift and whatever's happening in the workplace space in the world to bring those ideas to bear. And I think if we thought about it as outcomes perspective, you know, for us we'd say the more logos or the more companies that we touch is that we've created greater opportunities to live our mission and our vision which is really to create global citizens. And, you know, at this point, it's not about how many. It's about how effective and how impactful we are because we like to become, we like to co-create with our clients. We like to know them, their cultures, and become embedded into who they are. And so it's almost like sometimes we drink the Kool-Aid is what we call it because that's how much we care about people having good qualities of life, and making sure that there are organizations available to help them do that. And so that's that partnership that I talked about earlier. 
Well, this has been such an informed. <laughs> I mean, thank so, you. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This thank has been you. so informative. So, how can our listeners stay connected with you? So, there's a couple of ways uh, they can visit us on our website, www.hrandco.com. There is a contact me. They most definitely can fill that out, and we will respond within 24 hours. Uh, they can email me, tiki.favorot at hrandco.com, and I'm more than happy to take um, any emails or have my assistant book time. Uh, but most importantly, LinkedIn, you know, some of the, the normal channels that people use to reach out. And so we would love to create the opportunity to have a dialogue and to help organizations or individuals explore uh, what works best for them. Thank you so much, Tiki. It has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to share. And hopefully I've said one or two or three things that's going to prompt someone to look at their data, to put a plan together and to act. And if that uh, comes out of this, then I think just the time here spent um, has been right. And so I really appreciate that. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> I am confident. <laughs> you have given, given a lot of people some really great information and something that they can implement and really start taking that next step and just assessing and, and just making sure that you are leveraging the talents and capabilities of the people in your organization. So thank you so much, Tiki. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the CEO Mom podcast, The Woman, The Mother, and The Myths. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we have. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe and definitely rate us. Go deeper with us on every episode by subscribing to our exclusive newsletter at CEOMomMagazine.com. There, we'll provide tips and information based on every episode. This podcast is produced by For Her Media with music by BOPD and C. Scott. Until the next conversation, thanks for joining us.